this quick little recap as we're going to get into the Word. We've been going through the whole armor of God. As we have mentioned, that there is a lot of focus right now on uh, all the precautions and steps people are taking to keep themselves safe and uh, not mocking and not insulting. People do whatever they want to do, uh, and d- various people have different conditions, and so uh, you are obligated to take care of yourself. But in the process of putting on gloves, on the process of putting on hazmat suits and face shields, on the process of putting on masks, we got to remember as a church to put on the whole armor of God. Whether you have a mask or don't have a mask, that's not the point. The point is that we always got to keep our mind focused on the spiritual. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we, we're living in a, a society right now, which one thing for the world to think like the world is what the world does, Right. Uh, but it's another thing when the church thinks like the world. When the world's living in fear, uh, the church ought not to be living in fear. And that's not a, a point to try to uh, push an issue, a political statement, anything like that whatsoever. The point is whether you are taking whatever precautions in the whole process, in the whole scheme of things, is that you just stayed armored up, stayed suited up because we're fighting something spiritual as well daily. The COVID thing, that's going on, yes, but the devil hasn't stopped working. So you got to understand, if, if COVID becomes the focus, then we're distracted from other things that are going on in the spirit. And that's what we have to do as a church is stay focused in the spirit. And so we're trying to st- stay focused on putting on the whole armor of God. We've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about our shoes uh, laced up with the gospel of peace, and we have talked about um, the, the sword of the, or the shield of faith. And today we are talking about the helmet of salvation. And uh, I don't know if we'll get through the entire handout, but we got, a, we got about 40 minutes here. So we're going to see what we can do in 40 minutes in Jesus' name. But Ephesians six seventeen, it says to take the helmet of salvation. And salvation is presented by truth. It's received by faith. And it's maintained mentally. We got to keep it in our minds. You know, as the armor of God started off, you know, we talked about the belt of truth. Everything starts off with truth. If you don't start off with truth, you're going towards error. Uh, But then, you know, you got to not just look at the truth. You got to receive the truth by faith. But then you got to you got to keep thinking on that truth. You got to keep thinking about it mentally. And the helmet is the guard of our mind, mouth ears and eyes the helmet is the guard of those areas and arenas of our head the mind the mouth the ears the eyes left unprotected will leave you unsaved if we're not being diligent with our mind if we're not being diligent with our mouth with our ears these parts of our head then we will find ourselves in a sad state of being lost and it all starts with understanding the serious state of your mind and why you have the current state of your thinking. You know, we, we are a culmination or a, a product of our thoughts. As we focus here the helmet of salvation, let's first start talking about the mind. And so when, this is just me personally, there's various ways you can look at the armor of God. But pretty regularly, I don't do it every day, but uh, a majority of days when I pray in the morning, 
I put on the armor of God. I go through each piece of armor because I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go out into the world. I'm going to go out into society, and it's a battlefield out there, and I want to be ready for whatever comes my way. So I pray through each piece of armament, and I, I kind of just think, what does it apply to? And so when it says the helmet of salvation, uh, th- there's things we think about. And for me, like I mentioned already, I think about my mind, I think about my eyes, I think about my ears, and I think about my mouth, what I say, my, my language. And so, first off, the mind, Romans 8, 1 through 8, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And verse 5 says, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, they mind the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And the, because this is because the carnal mind is is enmity against God. That word enmity, it literally, it's like, it's hostile. It's not like neutral, just hanging out. It is hostile. It opposes God because it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So we avoid condemnation only if we walk in the Spirit. And you and I, we will have a better indication if we're in the flesh or if we're in the Spirit by taking inventory of our thoughts. And so you if you have ever had the opportunity at the end of the day, just kind of survey what your day is like or survey your morning, uh, what your thoughts are. What kind of thoughts have been the predominating thoughts in the day? And it is impossible to please God with a carnal mind. Now, that's not my opinion. That's not just some statement thrown out there randomly. It literally, we just read it in the book of Romans chapter 8. It is impossible to please God with a carnal mind. And so we got to make sure we have a mind that is shielded with the helmet of salvation. James 1.8 says it like this, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Instability is the result of thought plurality, or if your thoughts are divided, you know, you got one part of your mind thinking on God and the other part of your mind thinking on the world. You're trying to have, you know, the best of both worlds, so to speak. If that's where your mind is, uh, the, the reality is that you and I cannot be spiritual while being carnal. As much as I want to be spiritual, if I'm thinking carnal, I'm not going to end up spiritually minded. Spiritual and carnal thoughts they do, not, they do not mix well. It's like oil and water. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As he thinks in his heart, so is he. So the prevailing or the recurring thoughts you have throughout the day basically reveals who you are, both in strengths and in struggles. Now, that's not to mean any thought that goes through your mind, you, you take ownership of it, because thoughts do go through our mind. Uh, th- there are fleeting thoughts that take place, it doesn't mean, oh, boom, you have sinned because you thought that thought. It's what you do with that thought. If it becomes an obsession, if it becomes a focus, if it becomes something that is undealt with, then you have a seed deposited there that can be something, become something more than just a simple thought. And so we got to put on the helmet of salvation. Isaiah 26.3 says, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And so our feelings are a byproduct of our thoughts. And how we think impacts how we feel. So we got to learn and discipline ourselves to keep our mind on God. And then 
uh, we, we will feel that perfect peace that we long for, that we want, that we desire. If we could simply learn how to discipline our mind with the helmet of salvation, focusing on God. And it doesn't take very much, you know, if you're scattered brain like myself, if you, you know, you easily all of a sudden you see one thing and then you just move on to the next thing. My mind just is rapid moving, always on something. That's not intelligence, it's distraction is what I have. It's just I can't, I can't multitask. I, I can focus on one thing and then I lose focus within five seconds and I go to the next thing. And you see that in my preaching. I just kind of like rabbit trails all over the place. But you can learn to just try to remind yourself throughout the day, I got to get back on God. I got to get back. I got to focus on Jesus. I got to get my mind on him because if I could keep my mind pinned on God, if I keep my mind focused on him, I can live with a mind of peace that comes from God. First Peter 1.13, it says to gird up the loins of your mind. You know, we talk about uh, our loins gird about with truth in the beginning of the armor of God. But Peter says it like this, that you could do the same with your mind. Be sober. Hope to the end for the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we're responsible for what we allow in our mind. You've, you've heard the, the, the statement possibly where, you know, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. But you can stop them from building a nest on it. And that's the difference. Birds flying overhead, that's part of life. But if you see someone walking around, they got a nest on their head. Now, I'm not talking about their hairdo. I'm talking about, like, they legitimately have a nest. It's like, okay, they didn't take care of something. They let that bird park it there and keep coming back and keep adding there. And so Peter says we got to gird up the loins of our minds. we got to be proactive. There are some things we can do with our thoughts. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says, We walk in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Though we're physical, there's more than the physical, as we've been talking about these past few weeks. And so he says, here's what you have to do. There are strongholds that can get built up in our lives, but here's how you take care of those strongholds. Verse 5, it says, you cast down imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. This is one of the portions of the scriptures when I'm praying the armor of God that I pray repeatedly. You know, it's, it's, it's a part of my DNA. It's, 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 uh, I got it memorized. It's internalized. It's a part of me because my mind easily, I can get overwhelmed. I can start getting anxious about things. I get worried about things. I get upset. I get jealous. I get prideful. I get whatever it is. It could sweep into my mind so quickly. And so immediately I stop and I put the helmet of salvation on and I begin to pray in the name of Jesus. I This thought, I cast down this imagination and these things that exalt themselves against the thoughts of God. And I bring them into captivity and I command them in the name of Jesus to obey Christ. Because Jesus is greater than any thought I can think. Jesus is greater than any temptation. But if I don't put Jesus in the equation I'm no match for the temptation. I'm no, I'm no match for the foe that enters into my mind because the mind is a, 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 a powerful place that can wear you out and mess you up. And so if you don't like carnal thoughts and imaginations, be proactive. Cast them out, and you, uh, whatever it is, ones you don't want, and replace them with the ones you do want. And this is where Philippians 4.8 comes into play. I pray this 
coupled so often with 2 Corinthians chapter 10. After I cast down the thoughts I don't want, I begin to declare the thoughts I want. And here's what uh, Paul said to the church in Philippi. He says, what sort of things are true? What sort of things are honest? What sort of things are just? What sort of things are pure? What sort of things are lovely? What sort of things are a good report? What sort of things? It says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And so I begin to declare what's true. I feel fear, but I, I begin to say, fear is not of God. And in the name of Jesus, I, I, I try that spirit. I recognize it's not of God. And so I forbid to take ownership of that spirit into my mind. And those thoughts that begin to come into my mind that, you know, they're, they're not even a, 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 a reality. I, there's no evidence. Sometimes you, your mind can wander and you begin to contemplate, you know, what someone thinks about you, whether they like you, they don't like you, they hate you, or, you know, there's a plan going on behind your back. I mean, your mind so quickly can move just like that. And so without any of that evidence, I say, no, what? No way. I'm not going to put faith in my fear. I'm not going to put faith in that world. And I'm just going to say those things are not true. Those things are not honest. Those things are not just. Those things are not pure. And so I will not think on those things. So we are what we eat, and we have the opportunity to select the diet we like spiritually. You know, results are going to vary on diligence. Just like a diet, you know, results vary. Uh, You've got people who take a diet very seriously, and they become the result of how serious they took their diet. There's other people, they talk about the diet, they know a lot about the diet, they, they, they know where to go to the weight room, and they hang out at the weight room, they're sitting there with the big gulp, the big Slurpee from the gas station, and they're at the gym and talking to people, but they're not putting into practice what they know they need to do. And this is, it, it sounds easy, and it somewhat is easy, but at the same time, it's not easy, because it's, it's discipline. Disciplines are difficult. We all struggle. Just like all of us probably know what we need to do physically with our bodies, whether we need to be running, we need to stop eating ice cream. You know, my personal struggle is before I go to bed, I like to have a heaping bowl of, of, um, of a cereal, the kind that basically is lapping over the top. I have to lay hands on the cereal while I pour the milk on so it doesn't fall over, not because I'm more spiritual, but because it's gluttony and it's overflowing, and I'm keeping it down so it doesn't spill over. I know I shouldn't do that. And then, like, after I do it, I lay in bed. I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And so I know the answer. I know what I need to do. But the discipline is to, to execute it is pretty difficult. And so uh, if you find yourself struggling in this regard, you know, don't beat yourself up and think that you're some pathetic loser. The Bible says there's no temptation uh, that is taking but such as is common to man. We all have this common struggle. But when you get to the point where you say, you know, enough is enough. I, I can't, I, just like the diet part of it. Like, I don't want to buy a whole new wardrobe. I can't fit my pants on. I can't, I can't button up my shirt anymore. And it's aggravating you. And something, it, it motivates you to say, you know what, enough. I'm going to change this. I'm going to do something about it. And that's what we got to be with in our mind. Don't just get, come to terms with this, saying, well, this is who I am. This is how I think. This is how it's going to be. And just say, you know, I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of thinking these same thoughts. I'm tired of struggling in this world. And so I'm just going to force myself by faith, put on this helmet of salvation, and I'm going to begin to diet spiritually. Here's another way to know if you are, or another way to know if you're in the flesh or in the spirit is not only taking inventory of your thoughts, but of your words. 
So again, when me personally, when I think of the helmet of salvation, I think of all the elements of my head. The next thing that comes to mind is the mouth. Proverbs 18.21, our speech, our language is so important. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Words do have the power of life and death. And if words don't matter, well, let someone insult your mother and see if that doesn't invoke a little emotion inside of you. Let someone start speaking some racial slurs to you and see if that doesn't work something up inside you. Let, there's, there, all of us have, there's a word that can, that can pierce through to us. You know, maybe certain categories won't bother you, but there's, there's a word somewhere that can strike you. The Bible says our word pierces like a sword. And so we have to take notice of our words and that they matter. Not just in Proverbs, but Jesus talks about it in Matthew 12, 34 through 37. He says, generation of vipers, how can you be an evil? Speak good things. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the e- evil treasure brings forth evil things. And so he says, every idle word that men shall speak, they will give an account of those words in the day of judgment. By your words, you'll be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. That's why I believe what we say in baptism absolutely matters because it's, we're justified in the name of Jesus when we're baptized. And so it does matter. Words absolutely matter. Go on reading what Jesus says just uh, three chapters later. He says, the things that proceed out of the mouth in fifteen eighteen, he says, they come from where? The heart. They defile the man. Out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. There's a thought world. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. And James, the Lord's brother, says this in verse 26 of chapter 1. If any of us seem to be religious, but we cannot bridle our tongue, we are deceiving our own heart. Our religion is vain. So clearly, just these portions of scriptures that we read, there's, there's tons more. Uh, uh, but just these simple verses here begin to show to us that our words matter. Clearly, words matter. You've heard me say it before that the mouth reveals what the heart conceals. Eventually, what is within will come without. You know, you've probably heard the statement, garbage in, garbage out. And so just like somebody that says, oh, I didn't mean to, to, to say um, that cuss word or whatever. It came from somewhere. Somehow it got deposited inside of you and it has not been taken care of. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, that we never make mistakes with our mouth. James chapter 3 is a great chapter about our words and our mouth and how uh, unbridled our tongue really is. And it says if anybody can bridle their tongue, the same is a perfect man. And so if you would, you and I would ever put more emphasis on our language, on what we say, you can get all that much more closer to living a complete, whole Christian life. James chapter 3, those first seven, eight verses are potent. It's very clear as he begins to talk about the power of the tongue and if we can get it under control. We must take initiative and be diligent concerning our tongue because it is a matter of heaven and hell. It is a matter of heaven and hell. Our tongue can take us there. Here's some verses. I think these are in your handout. Uh, They just have compiled a few more about the mouth, about our speech, that salvation matters when it comes to our speech. Job 6.24, I would encourage you to uh, maybe write these down somewhere, you know, maybe put this in your Bible or cut it out and place it somewhere for you to pray. 
But these are these are great verses to pray if you struggle, if you're someone that, you know, uh, you want to break the habit of cussing, if you want to break the habit of speaking perverted, if you want to break the habit of dirty jokes, if you want to break the habit of uh, gossip, you want to break the habit of tearing people down, you, whatever it is that you want to change the tone of your tongue. These are great verses to pray and personalize. Job 6, 24, teach me. Begin to pray that. Teach me, and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. That's a powerful verse that all of us can be praying for our speech. Psalm 17, 3, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Now, if you pray these and you put on the helmet of salvation before you go outside, into the workplace, especially if you work construction. I've worked construction, and, and you know, it really, it's any job occupation these days. People just have just have sewers for mouths, and it just like flows and pours out constantly, constantly. And so, you already know that's the atmosphere you're going to walk into. So, before again, suit up and pray these prayers. And I love that that those three words in Psalm 73: "I am purposed." I am purposing that my mouth will not transgress it. And if you just memorize that phrase as you're walking into the job site, I'm purposed not to transgress with my mouth today. I'm purposed not to transgress with my mouth. I am purposed. I, Lord, teach me, show me. Begin to pray that over and over again. Psalm 19:14. pray to God. Say, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and redeemer. Psalm 39, 1, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. And the beauty is in this New Testament day that we're living in, we know that the Holy Ghost is that bridle for our tongue. The thing that we've never tamed, the thing that's never been controlled, that's why I strongly believe that God chose language as the evidence of the Spirit taking control in our hearts and our minds, our souls and our lives. He evidences it by taking control of the thing we've never been able to control. And he begins to speak through us by his Spirit, and we speak a new language, a pure language, a heavenly language, as we begin to praise and magnify God in other tongues. It's a beautiful thing. It's showing that we just surrendered this area of our life to God. And so uh, build up your faith daily, praying in the Holy Ghost. Make sure you got that bridle on. Doesn't, there's nothing in the Bible that says you have to speak in tongues every day to be saved. Nothing like that. Uh, it just says, says that basically this is the sign of receiving the Holy Ghost for the first time, is speaking in tongues. But it is good indicator to make that a goal. Like, you know what? I, I just want to make sure the bridle is still there. And begin to pray and let God renew you in the Holy Ghost. If you haven't spoken in tongues in a long time, pray that. Just say, God, just I, I believe my experience. I, I don't doubt it at all. And even if you do doubt it, then ask God to reconfirm it, renew it. But just say, God, I just want to make sure that bridle still there. Renew me. Renew me in the Spirit. And God's bridle will be there for you. We go on reading here, Psalm 141, verse 3. Another prayer I pray is I say, God, set a watch. Oh, Lord, before my mouth. I like to, in my mind's eye, I like to think of an angel kind of, you know, marching back and forth from one corner of the mouth to the other, you know, just like the, the, that's the, um, the soldier that is marching back and forth on the unknown tomb. I, I like to think of somebody protecting the front gate of my mouth. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Proverbs fifteen four: a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. And it is that, I, I again, 
I, I strive, I pray, I'm growing, I'm, I'm a lot further ahead down the road than I've ever been. But when you see, you know, what somebody's claiming to be and then what you hear them uh, when you're with them, you know, if, if the speech and the, the uh, proclamation or what they declare themselves to be, when there's perversion between those two, there's a breach, there's a gap. And I, I want to close that gap. I wanted to get smaller and smaller and smaller until there is no perverse thing found in me. And so when you find somebody that, you know, has a wholesome tongue, you're going to find there's no breach between their tongue and the spirit. But if you find someone that has a perverse tongue, there is a breach. There's a break there. Proverbs 16, 23, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth. So this is what wise people would do. You're like, well, man, I've, I've never I've never been uh, 24 hours without, you know, speaking vile, speaking corrupt, speaking hurtful things, hateful things, whatever. But you, here's what you begin to pray. God, I want to teach my mouth. I want to add learning to my lips. And if, if cuss words are the only words that I know, I want to add some new words to my vocabulary. If, if dirty jokes are the only jokes I know, I'm going to add some new jokes to my vocabulary. If, if I don't know how to talk to anything about anything else but things that are uh, pertaining to gossip, I'm going to add a new category of conversation in my life. That's what we, we got to take the responsibility to do that. God's not just going to, you know, do everything for you. God will do only what he can do, but he's not going to do what you're supposed to do. And that is add to your life that which is lacking. Ephesians 4.29 this is a powerful prayer and goal. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And this is not just a prayer and a goal. It is a command that the Apostle Paul is giving to the church. He says, do not do it. Don't let corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But only that which is good, that edifies and ministers grace to the hearer. Be selective with your speech. James 3, 2. We mentioned this a little bit ago. I alluded to it. In many things we offend off. Any man... Offends not in word, the same is a perfect man, and is able also to bridle the whole body. That is amazing. If we could ever get to that point where we put that much thought, that much focus in the way we speak, we will find ourselves living as a perfect man. And so First Peter 3.10 says, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips, that they may speak no guile. So our mind and our heart is the bank of our soul. Our ears and eyes are where the deposits are made. So just think of it like that, because if you remember about 100 verses ago, earlier, that we just read through, Jesus said, a good man from the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man brings forth evil things things from an evil treasure. Basically, your heart is that bank deposit, okay? Uh, and, and so whatever deposit goes in, this is your bank account. And so we got to be diligent. This isn't any wonder why he would call this the helmet of salvation. Because our mind and our heart are the stomachs, our eyes and our ears are the mouths, okay? And so whatever goes through your eye, whatever goes through your ear, okay, think of that as, you know, the, the, the portal, the window, the mouth, and, and your heart and your mind are the stomach or the bank deposit, the reservoir. It's where everything goes. And this is why we should be extra diligent, cautious, careful about what we listen to and what we watch. And we used to be pretty good at it, 
at it because there was just limited uh, uh, entertainment out there and limited time segments. But now, constantly throughout the entire day, people are watching and listening on their iPod, their iPad, their iPhone, on their computer, their laptop. Constant media intake nonstop. And now we have basically mass consciousness. It's just kind of, I uh, I think I said this before here. I know I've said it somewhere, but I, I, I was trying to figure out, you know, why when the, the beginning stages of the whole COVID domino effect begin to take place, you know, what made, what made, what made everybody go out and buy toilet paper at the same time, you know, and why toilet paper? I mean, like, what is toilet paper going to do to help you with COVID-19? I, I know it could help with some other things, but I'm not sure what it helps out with the COVID-19 deal. But this is just my personal opinion is because I remember my, my dad was telling me someone at their church worked at a, a shop, not, not Shopco, um, Costco, uh, one of those mass uh, places like Sam's Club. And it was just a normal average day. And all of a sudden, at the exact same moment, the place got flooded with people. Everybody went and grabbed the toilet paper, the sanitizer, and one or two other things. I can't remember what the hot items were at the time. And walked out, and the, everything else was untouched. And, like, the, the employees, like, they were like, what in the world just happened? It was just got busy, and everything disappeared, and everyone was gone. And then another rush of people came in, and they couldn't get any of those items. How did that happen? It's, it's basically mass consciousness. Everybody's watching and listening to the exact same thing nonstop throughout the entire day. And so we we got to have our guard up. In other words, we're going to just keep watching because if we're watching what everyone's watching, if we're listening to what everyone's listening to, we're going to sound no different. We're going to look no different. We're going to act no different. And so we ought not, we, we should unplug from that world and we should get dialed into the world that matters. And that is the word of God. It is prayer of faith. It's the things of God. We should be proactive and not reactive. And so uh, I got a few more minutes. I got 10, 10 minutes. Here we go. The next part. Ears, Ecclesiastes 5, 1 uh, and 2. Keep your foot when you go to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they consider not that the evil they do. Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. God is in heaven, you upon earth. Let your words be few. I'm going to move a little quick just to um, see if we could wrap this up here today. Proverbs 1, 5. A wise man will hear and will attain to wise counsels. Isaiah 54, uh, the Lord's given me the tongue of the learned. I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He wakens morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. James 1.19, listen, brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So do not let just anything pass through your ears. What you hear will affect you emotionally and eventually spiritually. And uh, this is it's this is kind of difficult uh, to do when uh, our our ears kind of like gathering information. We like hearing things. And so when somebody talks about, you know, business that is none of our business for whatever reason we have we have uh, a difficult time excusing ourselves from the matter of business and we make it our business and it begins to affect us emotionally and not just that but music 
What type of music you listen to will influence your thoughts and words. If you struggle with uh, a temptation of drugs and alcohol, uh, the music you listen to, does it, does it uh, uh, have drugs and alcohol in it? If you have a, a problem with anger, is the music that you're listening to, is it angry? Is it anger-driven music? If you're struggling with sexual temptations, are you listening to music that is talking about making love and making out and, and all these sexual things? And, and then we wonder why we struggle with these things. It's because we are allowing inside of our ears things we ought not to let be there. Our speech is a result of compiled words we have deposited through our ears through the years. And so the, the, just the way we talk, our vernacular, our, the statements we make, uh, you could tell by what someone's listening to, by what they're saying, how they're talking and what goes in will eventually come out. I like the old adage, basically, uh, God gave us two ears and one mouth, so we should listen twice as much as we speak. But everybody acts like they got two mouths and one ear or no ears. And so maybe we should take that to heart, that statement, is learn to listen more and learn to speak less. Not saying that we never speak ever. We, you know, we need to have a little bit of both. But it would be wise for us to be swift to hear slow to speak because a wise man hears as it says in Proverbs 1 5 next is the eyes Matthew 5 27 through 30 and for sake of time I'm going to brush through this quickly uh, but Jesus is speaking here and he talks about the sin of adultery knowing that the physical act is wrong in verse 28 he says we we know that the physical acts wrong but I'm letting you know that the person that looks on a woman and lusts after her is committed adultery with her already in his heart. If your right eye offends you, cast it, pluck it out and cast it from you because it is better that one of your body parts would perish and not your whole body to be cast into hell. And so we're told that it's okay to look and there is no harm in it. That is what our world says today. There's no harm in window shopping. But this is simply contrary to what Jesus said. Jesus stated that what we set before our eyes can have eternal consequences. Lusting after someone is a sin that can result in an eternity in hell. Now, that's not a mean-spirited statement. That's not an attack if you're here today and you struggle with that. You know, if you struggle with that, once more, it is a common struggle that people have. But just because something is a common problem doesn't mean we should ignore the problem and just continue as were. We should address the problem. We should correct the problem. And um, here Jesus is saying, look, it's not just like this little deal. He's saying that it's on the plains of adultery. He says when you look on something and someone and you lust after them, he says it's the same as committing adultery in your heart. And so I'll just say this, um, if you need a modern-day application, you know, looking at, uh, and this is more of a struggle for men, but it's not confined to men only. It's also women. The pornography is a, a problem with women these days. I found this out is talking and teaching on pornography in abundance across our movement, that there's a lot of girls that are struggling with it because we live in a very twisted, perverse era right now. But pornography is exactly applicable to what we just read right now. And so Jesus is not okay with a man looking on a woman, 
lusting after her and having self-gratification. That is not normal. That is not natural. That is not okay. Even if it is the norm of society, we don't base what we do according to society. We base it upon God's word. And if that is a struggle that has been a part of your life, one, I love to help because you're looking at somebody that was bound and addicted by pornography. And I'm telling you right now, God absolutely, totally set me free. And I've lived in both worlds, and I'll tell you which one's better right now. I love living a life that is liberated and free and not bound, not addicted, and I don't have that shame and that guilt that comes over me after, you know, giving into that temptation. And I promise you, I promise you, if you would like out of that, you, uh, I would be confidential conversation, you and I, and we would pray through it together. We'd work through it together, and I promise you God would and will set you free. And so Jesus addresses this issue, Matthew 6, 22. In fact, I don't have the verse in here, and we're not, we're not, I don't think we're going to finish today, um, but I was just reading in my Bible reading yesterday uh, that is he, is, I think it's Jeremiah. I'm pretty sure it's Jeremiah. Uh, basically, uh, Jeremiah is rebuking the people for the lust of their eyes, and he starts addressing the lust of their eyes is towards their idolatry. And so uh, they would have pornographic imagery in their gods and in their temple prostitutes that they would look upon, and that was a part of their worship. And so uh, our problem today is nothing new. This has been going on ever since the dawn of time. It has been an ongoing struggle. But we serve a God that loves you and will help you. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 22, 23, the light of the body is the eye. And if your eye is single, your whole body shall be full of light. That word single means pure. So if you, if you have purity going through your eye, then your body will be full of purity. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? Basically what that verse is saying is if you think what goes in you doesn't affect you, that's called deception. That's literally the modern-day translation for Matthew 6.23. If the light that is in you is darkness, and you don't think it's not affecting you, that's deception. Deception works under the covert of darkness. And he says that's the greatest darkness of all, that you think the TV show you're watching doesn't impact you. Now, I'm not saying the TV show you're watching is going to take you to hell in a handbasket, but it sure could. The, the show that you're watching can affect how you uh, uh, view things. You watch enough TV shows about premarital sex or homosexuality, whatever, you, whatever it is, it will desensitize you to how you view it. And so this is why it is the main portal in which the enemy is able to pump through his agenda and to have a mass consciousness in society that is united because they are in one mind, one accord, or watching the same thing in one place. And so don't be deceived. What you and I watch matters. Um, let's read just a couple more verses. I'll hurry fast. Psalm 101, I, I encourage you. Psalm 101 is a great verse to pray through daily. But here's two verses. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. When will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. So once more, we got to be proactive and take initiative to what we allow our eyes to see. We may not have control of this world, but we sure do have control of our home. And if you don't have control of your home, you better get control of your home. Okay? It's the only area that you and I can try to make a safe place, a sanctuary. Job 31 and 1. 
he, here's what this man did. He said, I'm making a covenant with my eyes. I'm making an agreement, a contract. I will not think upon a maid. So he says, I'm not going to look in lust after women. Make an agreement with what you will permit and prohibit visually. And so why make such an extreme stance like that? I think Lamentations 351 and Job 3317 help us out to understand that our eye affects our heart and our heart walks after our eyes. And so your eye will affect your heart and your heart will walk after your eyes. Your feet follow your eyes. And so this is why you should be very proactive what you set before your eyes. Don't just let anything in front of your eyes. And this is why uh, in my house, my family, my life, I'm not telling you how to govern your home. But, you know, in, in 15 years of marriage, uh, we've never had a TV, never going to have a TV because I know what it did to me. And uh, I, I was bound by pornography. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, we, we, we were given to watching, t- uh, you know, shows, you know, that you could stream, you know, on YouTube and uh, Hulu or whatever. And uh, uh, we would watch or go to the library and get like some shows and things like that. But after a while, basically things would slip in and all of a sudden we're like, what are we doing? And so we decided, you know, we're going to do this weird thing called actual reality. We'll have actual family time. I'll actually talk to my wife. I'll let my wife actually talk to me. I'll, I'll actually interact with my children. And we just, we don't sit and watch movies. I haven't done that. I haven't watched a movie in I don't know how long. It's been years. You know, this whole COVID-19, what have you done? This whole co- I haven't watched any movies. I haven't watched any shows. I'm telling you, and I'm a very happy person. I have a very clear mind. I can think clearly. I interact with my family. We have fun. We interact. I'm telling you, there is a better way than just letting anything go through your eyes and your ears and affect your thought world. All right? Let's stand together as we're dismissed. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, for challenging us, God, to put on the helmet of salvation, not to just walk out into this society with no covering over our mind and to allow anything into our mind and anything into our eyes, anything into our ears and anything out of our mouth. But, God, we will daily put on the helmet of salvation, walking out there, God, so we can bring about salvation by being covered with salvation. In the name of Jesus, help us to be diligent and proactive. In Jesus' name.